Come on, come all, come gather round. Come hear tales both lost and found. Grab yourself a drink with a splash of lime. It's David and Michael's story time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Storytime. I'm Michael Santel. I'm David Miller. We're your hostess with the mostest, and we got another story for you. That was that was fun. I that's fun. Yeah, it's like a thing. It's a thing they said. I feel like I want to comment on it, but I have nothing to say. Sure, 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 <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> David, we've had a lot of authors on this show. Uh, I mean, not on the show. Right, right. We haven't. We've essentially we technically haven't had any. <laughs> we haven't had any guests yet. That's correct. Well, except yeah. Well, he wasn't an author. Right, he wasn't. He did not write the Quran. No. Do not. Say no, that. No. Um, but we've t- we've had the Brothers Grimm. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, we had whoever wrote Ye Theodora Ozaki. Uh huh. Well, he's I remember that name. Listen, he's now. pretty high on our list. We've yeah. also had uh, God. The, uh, God. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> and then we also had uh, whoever wrote um, uh, Forty Nights. Oh right, 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 right. Which is we don't really know who, but somebody wrote it. Right. Today we're going to another famed. Uh, Fairy tale author. Okay. I thought, for some reason, I thought you were going to say fairy tale artist. Ooh. That I, sounds like sandwich artist, where it's like, oh, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, it is art. It is art, I like, guess. Yeah, you know. Today, I have a brand new uh, uh, fairy tale artist to share with <laughs> you uh, by the name of Hans Christian Andersen. Okay. Now, I know, I know the name, but I actually don't know. So, so some I'm of these. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Let me see if I can guess some of the stories that were him. Okay. If I can think of any famous ones. I'm looking at... Are there, like, any... In that table of contents, are there any, like, famous ones that I oh, would, like... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Was The Little Mermaid him? Yes, it was. Okay, great. Which is very different No, than, I know that. Right. I mean, I don't know it, but I know that you've mentioned that before. Some of his other most famous work is The Princess and the Pea. Okay. Um, the, the Little... Yeah, so this is gonna... I bet, like, Rapunzel? Uh, I don't think he's Rapunzel. Oh, no, that might have been someone else. But he is uh, The Emperor's New Clothes. Yeah. Right? So, now... And its I, sequel, The Emperor's New Groove. The, not, not the sequel. Don't spread fake news, if David. If you watch it as though it's the sequel to the first one, it makes a lot more sense. I don't think it does, but that's okay. <laughs> um, now, I did I did no research on Hans Christian Andersen. I know nothing of the man. Wonderful. Other than we grew up with the Danny Kaye musical called Hans Christian Andersen. Oh. And in that musical... You he, sing part of that all the Wonderful, time. wonderful Copenhagen! There's that song. He also sings, um... Uh, no two people have ever been so in love. He also has a... He also has a... Uh, uh... Thumbelina, Thumbelina, tiny little thing. Thumbelina <laughs> dance. Thumbelina sing. You know what's fun to me is that I... I considered myself... Uh, like a musical theater fan in person in high school. Yeah. At least in the later part of high school. Um, and and I, I only had a couple years to like kind of really dive into it. And I, But I feel like I was like, oh, I generally like, I know all the big... After meeting you, there are, <laughs> there are so many like old standard musicals that I'm like, oh, I know. I have no idea actually about that one. David, now listen. I feel like my version of the songs aren't going to do them justice. But so guess what, everyone? Them. David's going to do a mega cut right now of a little snippets of a bunch of Hans Christian Andersen songs. Fine, but it's only going to be a second of each one. Fuck you, no! I want like a line! Play them a line! Who knows? The winter in his lonely clump of weed Till a flock of swans spied him there And very soon agreed You're a very fine swan indeed Thumbelina, what's the difference if you're very small When your heart is full of love, you're nine feet tall 
Great. Oh boy. So now that you're familiarized with that, this was one of his That's stories. Be so much work. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear it. Um, I started going through this book, and I wanted to go with a story that I'd never heard of. Okay, good. I like that choice. Today's story comes from 1835. Great. Uh, that puts it in a lot of context for me. Okay, okay. The Civil War hasn't happened <laughs> no, yet. and also we're probably writing from the vantage point of a European man. Yeah, well, he went to Copenhagen. I sang the song well, for you I know, already. Like Hans Christian Andersen doesn't exactly sound like a dude from Boston. <laughs> right, correct, correct. No, he was a European <laughs> man. Um... In that, he was a cobbler. Like, that was his trade. Okay. But he wrote stories. That's what he really he's, wanted to do. That was his do. side gig. Yeah, yeah he's Everybody an artist like the rest of us. Job of course. Yeah. Of course. This story is called Little Klaus and Big Klaus. Okay. This is one of the funniest stories I've ever read. <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you know. You were super excited earlier today when you told me about it at work. But when you said it at work, you said it real fast. And I thought you said Little Claus and Big Claus. And yes. I, thought, I was thinking like, oh, like Santa Claus? That's what I said, thought as well. But when I Googled it, it's Klaus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for at least looking up that much. I looked up that. I also have a couple other definitions, but we'll get to those as well. Um, no more fucking around, David. Let's get to it. Yeah. Prepare yourself. Now, I apologize, pre-apologize for the editing process. Some of the ways some of these sentences are, you know, it's 1835, okay? So you're apologizing to me, not the The work audience. you're going to have to do. Yeah. No, no, they just hear the final product. <laughs> Wonderful. <clears throat> uh, Pre-predictions. We really should have oh, yeah. had a sting for this, but I love, I love, I we, love We'll these. try to come up with one. We'll okay. Uh, little Klaus and Big Klaus. I'm glad that you. There's no longer claws and claws, right? Yeah, there. right. It's not about Santa Claus. Um, so my predictions. I always try to have three predictions. So my predictions for Little Claus and Big Claus. Uh, they are um, not brothers. Okay. They are friends or cellmates. Great. Uh, um, and one of them, Little Klaus. Is the it's gonna be the classic like George and Lenny uh, paradigm? Of, okay. Like, one is the schemey smart one, and it's the little guy, and then there's the big one who's uh, more simple but like good natured or or just like kind of more true. Okay. And definitely strong. Great. Uh, and then third prediction is gonna be the long shot prediction, and it's gonna be uh, that there is a talking goose in Ooh. the story. I love where your mind is at. I really appreciate a talking animal. Yeah. This one doesn't have a talking animal. We'll see. But, right, we'll see. <laughs> In a village, there lived two men who had, this, who had the self-same name. Great. Okay. <laughs> they are not brothers. <laughs> not brothers. And it does say who had the self-same name. Yeah. Okay? Just yeah. putting you in that world. Okay, so this is fun, because this is already from a time where it's kind of rare to run into a dude with the same name as you. Right, and right? there are two guys in the same like, town. How many other Michaels do you know? <sighs> a lot. Many. Right? A couple. There was a yeah. point when we were on an improv team where there were five Michaels. Yeah, they had to only they had to refer to us only by our None last names. None of them names. were known by Michael. Yeah. None of us. None yeah. of us. There, yeah. there are like three Davids that we know. And we have to call you guys by either nicknames or yeah. last names. Yeah. So this is their nicknames and last names. Okay. But one of them owned four horses. The other owned only one horse. So to That's how you could tell them apart. So to distinguish between them, people called the man who had four horses, Big Klaus, and the man who only had one horse, Little Klaus. Oh, well, now that seems like an actual judgment. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, they're not saying, like, oh, they could just be, like, they could call him 
you know, four Klaus and one Klaus. Nope, nope. They said big. Who are we talking about? Big Klaus or little Klaus? Little Klaus. Oh, okay. The, the one, the one with only one horse. Right. It sounds like demeaning. Now I'll tell you what happened to these two. For this is a true story. I thank you, author of the story. Hans Christian Andersen is letting us know. I love that he's like, hey, just so you know, I write a lot of silly make 'em ups. This one, swear to God, completely real. Yeah. <clears throat> The whole week through, Little Klaus had to plow for Big Klaus and lend him his only horse. What? In return, Big Klaus lent him all four of his horses, but only for one day of the week, and it had to be on Sunday. Okay, hold on. So, the six days of the week, Little Klaus has to... Work for Big Klaus. And doesn't get to use his own horse. Right. But on Sunday, only he's able to use all the horses and plow his field. This feels like a lopsided relationship. It absolutely is. Each Sunday, how proudly little Klaus cracked his whip over all five horses, mm. which were as good as his own on that day. Yeah. How brightly the sun shone. How merry were the church bells that rang in the steeple. <laughs> how well-dressed were all the people who passed him with hymn books tucked under their arms. And as they went to their way to church to hear the parson preach, uh, a parson is yeah. a... a uh, Rector or vicar, especially a Protestant one. Yeah, uh, like in the song, uh, uh, the Christmas song, um, in the meadow we will build a snowman and then we will call him Parson Brown. Ooh, I never knew about that! They'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man. Because they're gonna... But you can do the job while you're in town. Because he's a church Oh, are they gonna fuck the snowman? No, no, no. He's saying, like, he's gonna, are you married? Oh, like, oh right, are we married? Right, but you... if you're not, you can fuck me like we are married. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a... I understand what you're saying, David. I'll get back to the story now. They're gonna have, consummate their wedding that's done by the snowman priest. Yeah, you gotta consummate that wedding like a the sailor on his wedding the night. The snowman only officiates the wedding. Well, well, not, not unless he gets invited to the bedroom. It's too hot in there. How the people did stare to see little Klaus plowing with all five horses. This made him feel so proud that he would crack his whip and holler, Get up, all my horses! All right. <laughs> Good on him. He's, he's at least enjoying the time he has. You must not say that, Big Klaus told him. What? You know as well as I do that only one of those horses is yours. Oh no, but this guy has some serious jealousy issues. But no sooner did another bevy of churchgoers come by Little Klaus, forgot he mustn't say it, and then hollered, Get up, all my horses! Don't you say that again, Big Klaus told him. If you do that, I'll knock your horse down dead <gasps> in, the, in his traces, Whoa. and that'll be the end of him. Alright, first of all, I'm, look, it's not cool to murder a horse, I guess. Sure. I say I guess because... This is a fun fact. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. I do not like horses. You don't like horses? No, they're monsters. They're big dogs. Why they, don't you no, like they're them? they're big monster beasts that will kill me if they get nervous. David, you are... No, horses are wonderful, majestic creatures my, that... My biggest fear in the world is being paralyzed, and horses is how you do that. No, <laughs> There's so many ways you can be paralyzed. Car accidents, too. That's my top three fears. Okay. Paralyzed, horses, and car accidents. Have you ever watched Gone with the Wind? Uh, no. Oh, there's a horse accident in the third act. It's a terrible movie. Okay. (laughs) Well, so what I'm saying is, like, I don't approve of this guy jumping to the horse murder. Uh Uh-huh. But also, it could be worse. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You won't catch me saying it again. Little Klaus promised. But as soon as people came by <laughs> nodding to him and wishing him good morrow, he w- he was so pleased and so proud of how grand it looked to have five horses plowing the field, he then hollered, Get up, all my horses! Yeah. I'll get up your horse for you, Big Klaus said. And he snatched up a tethering mallet, knocked, and then he knocked Little Klaus's one and only horse on the head so hard that it fell down dead. Damn! Yeah, that horse is no more, David. Plain... Like, in the middle of the day, churchgoers walking by. Sunday. On a Sunday. Grabbed a 
fucking hammer, a mallet, basically. Uh, it was a, a, a tethering mallet, so yeah. like you hit like leather with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Now I no, have. I think that's for like to hit the pole in the ground for where you, if you're gonna tether the horse. David, I didn't look up tethering mallets, so I saying, don't know what it is. I'm just using context clues. Good job. Now, now I haven't any horse at all, said Little Klaus, and he began to cry. Yeah. But by and by, he skinned his dead horse, Whoa. hung the hide to dry in the wind, mm. then he crammed the dry skin in a sack, slung it over his soldier, uh, shoulder, and <laughs> said... <laughs> it's not a soldier. He found a soldier. No, no, no. Threw no, the no. skin on Put him. it over his shoulder <laughs> and set out to sell it in the nearest town. So he's making he's making lemonade from lemons. Sure. He's got a dead horse. You gotta sell it. You gotta make some money off of it. Yeah. Streetlight. It was a long way to go, and he had to pass through a dark, dismal forest. Suddenly, a terrible storm came up, and he lost his way. Uh. Before he could find it again, evening overtook him. The town was still a long way off, and he had come too far to get back home before night. David, he's trapped, just like Belle's father. I was literally about to say, this is a classic Beauty and the Beast situation. Yeah, but it's not, but there's no beast so far. Well, I mean, there, I guess... There have been, been, been horses. Right, but... If <laughs> And Big Klaus is sort of a beast, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, technically, like, if you're gonna go with it, horses are beasts of burden. That's correct, David. I love that term. Not far from the road, he saw a large farmhouse. The shutters were closed, but little sh but little light shone through a crack at the top of the windows. Okay. Maybe they'll let me spend the night here, Little Klaus thought. So he went to the door and knocked. The farmer's wife opened it, but when she heard what he wanted, she told him to go away. She said her husband wasn't home and she wasn't to have any strangers in the house. Okay. That is really unfortunate for his, like, I'm lost in the woods situation. But, like, I guess it's good to have your boundaries. Yeah, don't let strangers in the house. Yeah, especially when, like, the husband's not home. Like, what are people going to say? Right. What, David? What are people going to say? There's so many churchgoers going by. <laughs> no, this is in the forest now. Then I'll have to sleep outside, Little Klaus decided, as she slammed the door in his face. Near the farm, <laughs> everyone's like unnecessarily rude to Little Klaus. Very rude. Very rude. Near the farmhouse stood a large haystack leading up to a thatched roof of a shed, which lay between it and the house. That's where I'll. That's where I'll sleep," said Little Klaus when he noticed the thatch. It will make a wonderful bed. All I hope is that uh, is that the stork doesn't fly down and bite my legs. Yeah. For a stork was actually standing guard on the roof where it had a nest. Oh. It must have had some baby storks in there. That's where babies come from. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a joke for it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so Little Klaus climbed to the roof of the shed. As he turned over to make himself comfortable, he discovered that the farmhouse shutters didn't come quite to the top of the windows, mm. and he could see over them. He could see into the room where a big table was spread with wine and oh, roast boy. meat and delicious fish. The farmer's wife and the sexton were sitting there at the table all by themselves. The sexton? Yeah, David, do you know what a sexton is? I'm so glad that you probably looked that up. It's a person who looks after the church and the churchyards, sometimes acting as a bell ringer or a grave digger. Okay. So, in this context, I think of him as the grave digger. Okay. And what's that sexton doing with the farmer's wife? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's no farmer around, and she wanted no other men in the house. What shall people say? <laughs> I think they're going to be having some sexton is what they're doing. Oh, boy. <laughs> A ton. Uh-huh. She kept helping him to wine, and he kept helping himself to fish. Oh. He must have loved fish. Yeah. <laughs> it says he must have loved fish. <laughs> As we're, like, in the mind of little Klaus watching this right now. <laughs> Oh, if only I could have some too, thought Little Klaus. 
By cramming his neck toward the window, he caught sight of a great appetizing cake. Why, they were feasting in there! Yeah. Just then he heard something riding down the road to the house. It was a farmer coming home. Yeah. He was an excellent man except for one thing. He could not stand the sight of a sexton. If he has so much caught a glimpse of one, he would fly into a furious rage, which was the reason why the sexton had gone to see the farmer's wife while the husband was was away from home. And the good woman could do no less than set before him all the good things to eat that she had in the house. Okay, so... <laughs> it's not that they're having an affair. He, her husband just hates sexting. <laughs> if there's a sexting there, David, I'm turning this car around! What a weird line to draw on the sand. What also a weird distinction to make on the part of the author. Uh, uh, I have a lot of, like... David, let's keep going. Well, he just keeps jumping between this like weird, like, I'm talking to you as the guy, and yeah. now I'm talking to you as me. Right. Author to audience. Listen, Christian Anderson gets it. When she heard the farmer coming, she trembled for the sexton and begged him to creep into a big empty chest, which stood in the corner of the room. He lost no time about it, because he knew full well that the poor husband couldn't stand the sight of a sexton. The woman quickly set aside the wine and hid all the good food in in the oven, Mm. because if her husband had seen the fish, he would have asked questions hard to answer. He hates fish. (laughs) He hates sexton. She would never prepare fish for him. Also, I think that... I think some hanky-panky is going on with the sexton. I mean, it's, they're hiding it a little too hard. Yeah, but they're hiding him in that chest on the but other also, side of the room. But also, if he will fly into a rage, a rage at the sight of a sexton, imagine seeing one in his home. Like, that's, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of, like, self-preservation. This is an abusive home. Like, you would be, the, I think this is how angry you would be if you saw me in your home with a full feast and a horse was in your house. Oh my god, what is he doing here? Right, you would fly into a furious rage. <laughs> oh dear, upon the shed, little Klaus sighed to see the, all the good food disappearing. Who's up there? The farmer peer, uh, peered at little Klaus. Whatever are you doing up there? Come into the house with me. Ooh. So little Klaus came down. He told the farmer how he had lost his way and asked if he could have shelter for the night. All right, here's the true test. Is he going to be a snitch? Let's see. Of course, said the farmer, but first let's have something to eat. The farmer's wife received them well, laid the whole table, and set before them a big bowl of porridge. Mm. The farmer was hungry and ate it with good appetite, but Little Klaus was thinking about the good roast meat and the fish and that cake in the oven. It's right there in the oven. Beside his feet under the table lay a sack with the horse hide, for, as we know, he was on his way to sell it in the town. Not liking the porridge at all, Little Klaus trode on the sack so that the dry hinge gave a loud squeak. Shh! Little Klaus said to the sack, at the same time he trod on it hard, that it squeaked even louder. What on earth have you got in there, said the farmer. Oh, just a conjurer, said Little Klaus. He tells me we don't have to eat porridge because he can conjure up a whole oven full of roast meat, fish, and a cake for us. What do you say, said the farmer? What? He made haste to open the oven where he found all the good dishes. His wife had hidden them there, but he quite believed that they had been conjured up by a wizard in the sack. That's insane. His wife didn't dare open her mouth as she helped them to fill fill of meat, fish, and cake. That is probably such a... That's like a masterclass troll. Like, he just... She can't say anything! He's making her have to agree that there is a small wizard in that bag. (laughs) 
Then Little Klaus trod upon the sack to make it squeak again. What does he say now? asked the farmer. <laughs> he says, Little Klaus answered, that there are three bottles of wine for us in the corner by the oven. Oh my god. So the woman He's had to summon a sexton. <laughs> so the woman had to bring the wine she had hidden. The farmer drank it till he grew merry and wanted to get himself a conjurer just like the one Little Klaus had carried yeah. in his sack. Yeah. Can he conjure up the devil? The farmer wondered. I'm just in the mood to meet him. Oh my god. Oh yes. What said, a setup. Oh yes, said Little Klaus. My conjurer can do anything I tell him. Can't you? He asked the trode upon the sack till it squeaked. Did you hear him answer? He said, yes, he can conjure the devil, but he's afraid he won't like, you won't like the look of him. Oh, I'm not afraid. What's he like? Well, he looks an awful lot like a sexton. Ho, said the farmer, as ugly as that, I can't bear the sight of a sexton. But don't let that stop us. Now that I know it's just the devil, I shan't mind it so much. Oh. I'll face him, provided he doesn't come near me. Oh, God, it's like a troll, but also Little Klaus is kind of helping her out of the situation. A little bit. Wait, while I talk with my conjurer, Little Klaus trode to the stack and then stopped down to listen. What does he say? He says for you to go and open the big chest in the corner, and you'll find the devil doubled up inside. But you must hold fast to the lid so he doesn't pop out. <laughs> Will you help me hold it, said the farmer. He went to the chest in which his wife had hidden the sextant. Once frightened, now terrified. The farmer lifted the lid and peeped in. Ho! Oh, he sprang back! I saw him! And he uh, and he's the image of our sexton. A horrible sight. After that, they needed another drink and sat there drinking far into the night. You must sell me your conjurer, said the farmer. You can fix your own price. I'll pay you a bushel of money right away. A bushel of money. Usually a bushel is used for, like, grains. It's a measure of capacity equal to 64 U.S. pints, or 35.2 liters. Now, in England, it's 8 imperial gallons, which is roughly 36.4 uh, uh, liters. So did you look up how much money that is? Fuck you. No, of course Aww. I didn't. I also... I, uh, it's it's 36, it's a bag, 36 yeah. liters of money. Okay. Filled to the top with... That's big. That's like a... That's probably like a 20-gallon bag of money. Fil and filled to the brim. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to make a note. I just caught myself. I realized something in the mental image of the story that I've been having. We've been calling him Little Klaus. So I like I know that we... Little I know that we explained that it's because of four horses and one horse. I'm still picturing like... He's like 5'1". Yeah! <laughs> to be fair, uh, He's that like, doesn't get challenged till later on, but that's fine. Okay. Oh, I couldn't do that, Little Klaus said. Just thinking how useful my conjurer is. But I'd love... But I'd so like to have him. The farmer kept begging to buy him. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered that he was He's drunk. drunk. He's yeah. drunk. Well, said Little Klaus at last, you've been kind enough to give me a night's lodging, so I can't say no. She'll have my sack for a bushel of money, but it must be full to the brim. And don't open it until I'm long gone. You shall have it, said the farmer, but you must take that chest along with you, too. <laughs> I won't have it in my house another hour. He still might be inside. You can never tell. You, you can if you look, but also... He can't see a sex thing, he'll freak the fuck out! He is still inside. So Little Klaus sold him a sack with a dried horse hide in it and was paid a bushel of money, <laughs> measured up to the brim. The farmer gave him a wheelbarrow, too, in which to wheel away the money and the chest. Nice. David, he got a bushel of money and a free wheelbarrow! That's almost as good, nay, better than a horse. <laughs> 
Fare you well, said Little Klaus, and off went with his money in his chest with a sextant in it. On, uh, on the further side of the forest was a deep, wide river, where the current ran so strong that it was almost impossible to swim against. Mm. A big new bridge had been built across the river, and when Little Klaus came to the middle of it, he said very loud so the sexton could hear him, Now, what would I do? What would I be doing with this silly chest? It's so heavy as a stone. I'm too tired to wheel it any further, so I'll throw it in the river, and <laughs> it'll drift down to my house. Well and good. But if it sinks, I haven't lost much. Then he tilted the chest a little, as if it were to tip over the river. Stop! Don't! The section shouted inside. Let me get out first. Oh, said Little Klaus, pretending to be frightened. Is he still there? Then I'd better throw him into the river and drown him. Oh, my God. Oh, no, don't do that, the sexton shouted. I'll give you a bushel of money to get out of this. Jesus. Why? That's altogether different said Little Klaus, opening the chest. The sexton popped out at once, pushed the empty chest into the water, and hurried home to give Little Klaus a bushel of money. Uh, what with the farmer's bushel and the sexton's bushel, Little Klaus had his wheelbarrow quite full. Yeah. He has two bushels of money, David! He's to go rub it in some big Klaus butt. I got a good, uh, actually, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> I got a good price for my horse, he said when he got to the house, to yeah. his house and emptied all the money in a heap into the floor. How big Klaus will fret when he finds out that my one horse has made me so rich, but I won't tell him how I managed it. Then he sent a boy to borrow a bushel of measure uh, from Big Klaus. Whatever would he want with it, Big Klaus wondered, and smeared pitch on the bottom of the bushel so that a little of what he measured would stick to it. Just like the wife did in Alibaba. I was literally like, this sounds really familiar. Alibaba's wife, and guess and what and what happened in that story? And so it happened uh, that when he measured measured back, he found three newly minted pieces of silver stuck to it. Jesus, that what a crazy that can't be a coincidence. It's not. I think it's. I think this is a literary device that we're just finding, and I bet it <laughs> pops up all the fucking time. Huh. What's this? Big Klaus ran into Little Klaus. Where did you get so much money? Oh, that's what I got from the horse hide I sold last night. Heavens above! How the price of hides must have gone out. Big Klaus ran home, took his axe, knocked all four horses <gasps> oh, on the head, like <laughs> then he ripped their hides off and set off to town with them. <laughs> He found out. He was like, "What horses? Ran home, killed them all." The, the dude, horse market is booming this dude right now. Has just been the entire story. All we know about Big Klaus is that he's just been looking for an excuse to murder horses. Absolutely doesn't necessarily make him the villain. Right? He's not a villain. He sounds like a man close to your heart. To hey, be man, honest, I, I get it. And now he's trying to flood the market with what should be a very valuable commodity: hides. Hide. Who will buy hides? He bawled up and down the streets. All the shoemakers and tanners came running to ask what the price was. A bushel of money apiece, he told them. Are you crazy, they asked? <laughs> Do you think we spend money by the bushel? Hides, hides, who will buy hides? He kept shouting, and to those who asked how much, he said, A bushel of money. He takes us for fools, they said. The shoemaker took the straps and the tanners, their leather aprons, and they beat Klaus <laughs> through the town. <laughs> hides, hides, they mocked him. We'll tan your hide for you if you if you don't get out of our town. Big Klaus had to run as fast as he could. He he had never been beaten so badly. Little Klaus will pay for this, he said when he got back home. I'll kill him for it. Well, that seems to be his answer to a lot of things. Now, it so happened that Little Klaus's old grandmother had just died. 
Oh, <laughs> she had. Sorry, sorry for your loss, little Klaus. She had been so cross as uh, as could be. Never a kind word did she have for him. Okay. But he was sorry to see her die. He put the dead woman in his own bed, just in case she came to life again, and let her lie there all night while uh, while he happened in a chair in the corner. Because that happened sometimes. As he had done, as he had done so often before. Funny enough, being buried alive yeah. was like a huge fear. That's of like people. why they had those bells. That's why they would have bells, and also like open casket funerals was sort of like a. All right, everyone sees he's dead, right? <laughs> right, we're all cool. This is right. We're, we're, we're all putting the coffin down. Yeah. It was like a big fear. Yeah. Mm. Now we're all culpable as we're a group. We're all culpable for this. <laughs> culpable. 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 Because okay. you don't want the cops to come in there because the cops would get us all in trouble. Because you're a culprit. No, because you're culpable. <laughs> all right. Right, because if you cop a field, the cops come for you. Well, that's true. As he sat there in the night, the door opened and in came Big Klaus with an axe. He knew exactly where Little Klaus' bed was and he went straight to it and knocked the dead grandmother on the head. Oh. Under the impression that it was Little Klaus. There, he said, you won't fool me again. And then he went home. Didn't look at the chair. Also, he takes an axe to things and yes. then just hits them on the head with it. Uh, he splits his... Oh. He's, right. The way, that I, the way that I envision it is he turns it so that he's hitting it with like the flat part. No, it's <laughs> not like little bunny foo-foo walking through the forest. It's like... Popping him on the head. Yeah, it's killer. It's right. killer axe. Right. It's fucking axe death. That makes sense. Like a misery. What a wicked man, said little Klaus. Why would he have killed me? It's lucky for my grandmother that she's already dead, or he would have had been the death of her. Unless she was just coming back. <laughs> right, right. He dressed up his old grandmother in her Sunday best, borrowed a neighbor's horse, and hitched up to a cart. On the back seat, he propped up his grandmother, wedged it so that the jolts would not topple her over, and away they went through the forest. Hmm, what will happen next? This guy is just full of real quick little schemes. When the sun came up, they drew abreast of a large inn where Little Klaus halted and went in to get some breakfast. The innkeeper was a wealthy man and a good enough fellow in his way, but his temper was fiery as if it were made of pepper and snuff. Okay. Good morning, said Little Klaus. You're up and dressed mighty early. Yes, said Little Klaus. I am, I am bound for town with my old grandmother who is sitting out here on the cart. I can't get her to come in, but you might take her a glass of mead. You'll have to shout to make sure she hears you, for she is deaf as a post. I'll take, I'll take it right out. The innkeeper poured a glass full of mead and took it to the dead grandmother, who sat simply in the cart. Your grandson sent you a glass of mead, said the innkeeper, but the dead woman said never a word. She just sat there. Don't you hear me, said the innkeeper, shouted his loudest. Here is a glass of mead for your grandson. Time after time he shouted, but she didn't budge. He flew into such a rage that he threw the glass in her face. The mead splashed all over her and she fell over backward, for she had popped up, she had popped up, not tied in place. <laughs> Confound it, little Klaus rushed out the door and took the innkeeper by the throat. You've gone and killed my grandmother. Look, there's a big hole in her forehead. Oh, my God. oh what a calamity. The innkeeper wrung his hands uh, and all because of my fiery temper. Dear little Klaus, I will give you a bushel of money Damn. and I will bury your grandmother as if she were my own. But you must hush this thing up for me or they'll chop off my head. How I'd hate it. So... So it came so it came about that little Klaus got another bushel of money and the landlord buried his old grandmother as if it were his own. Just as soon as little Klaus got home, he sent a boy to borrow a bushel measure oh from God. Big Klaus. 
He's rubbing it in his face Dude, again. So, all this guy needs... This guy is just making a business out of someone else being a murderer. Yes! <laughs> yeah! I mean... Technically, isn't that what... He's just turning a profit from the result of this guy trying to fuck him over. Right, but isn't that what you would consider, like, a, a mortician? Like, he just profits off other people... Like well, that's him profiting off people dying. A defense attorney, Little then? Klaus is specifically making money, like, tricking people into paying... Well, here's what he's doing. Is he's... <laughs> Something of his gets murdered. In the yeah. case of his grandma, she was already dead, but whatever. But, like, something of his gets murdered. And then he takes the remains of that and tricks someone else into giving him way too much money. David, like an improv scene, let's continue to heighten and explore. I'd like to see a third example of this. Little Klaus wants to borrow it, Big Klaus asks. Didn't I kill him? I'll go and see about it. So he himself took the measure over to Little Klaus. Where did you get all that money, he asked when he saw the height of the money pile. When you killed my grandmother instead of me, Little Klaus told him, I sold her for a bushel of money. Oh my god. Heavens above! That was indeed a good price, said Big Klaus. It's, it's about, about to get, get fucked up. He hurried home, took an axe, knocked his old grandmother on the head. Jesus he Christ. then put her in a cart, drove her to town, and then asked the apothecary if he wanted to buy a dead body. Whose dead body? asked the apothecary. Where did you get it? Look, good questions on the apothecary's part. I like him. He's not. A, he's a straight shooter. It's my grandmother's dead body. I killed her for a bushel of money, Jesus. Big Klaus told him. You could just say she died. Lord, said the apothecary. Man, you must be crazy. Don't talk like that or they'll chop off your head. Then he told him straight he had done a wicked deed, that he's a terrible fellow, <laughs> and that the worst punishments was too, was much too good for him. Big Klaus got frightened. He jumped in his cart, whipped up the horses, and drove home as fast as they would take him. What horses? The apothecary and everybody else um, thought he must be a madman, so they did not stand in his way. Okay. David, the apothecary said, man, you must be crazy. <laughs> this is fucking 1836, and they were telling people, man, you must be crazy. <laughs> I'll see, I'll see you pay for this, said Big Klaus when he reached the high road. Oh, won't I make you pay for this, Little Klaus? The moment he got home, he took the biggest sack he could find and went to see Little Klaus and said, You've deceived me again. First I killed my four horses, then I killed my old grandmother, and it's all your fault. Technically first you killed his one horse. I'll make sure that you don't make me a fool out of me again. Then he caught Little Klaus, put him in his sack, slung it over his back, and told him, Now I shall take you and drown you. Yep, okay. So Little Klaus is small enough to fit in a bag. Right, well, yes. A big, he's at a big sack, right. but like... Right. Uh, it was a long way to the river, and Little Klaus was no light load. The road went by huh. the church, and as they passed, they could hear the organ playing and the people singing very beautifully. Which means that they're on another Sunday. Like, all of, yeah, like, we've had a full week of this unless now. Unless it's been, unless it's been, uh, this is like the midweek Bible study. Maybe, it could be. Big Klaus set down his sack outside the church door. He thought the best thing for him to do was to go in and hear a hymn before he went to any further. Little Klaus was securely tied in the sack, and all the people were inside the church, so Big Klaus went in. Oh dear, oh dear, Little Klaus sighed in the sack. Twist and turn as he might, he could not loosen the knot. Then a white-haired old cattle drover came by, leaning heavily on his staff. The herd of bulls and cows he was driving bumped against the, the sack Little Klaus was in, uh, was in and overturned it. Oh dear, Little Klaus sighed, I'm so young to be going to heaven. 
while I, said the cattle drover, am too old for this earth, yet heaven will not send for me. Open the sack, little Klaus shouted. What? Get in and take my place, and you'll go straight to heaven. That's where I want to be, said the drover. Oh so he God. undid the sack. Little Klaus jumped out at once. You must, you must look after my cattle, said the old man as he crawled in. And as soon as Little Klaus fastened the sack, he walked away from, from where with all the bulls and cows. Precisely, Big Klaus came out of the church. He took the sack on his back and found it light, for the old drover was no more than half as heavy as Little Klaus. Klaus, how light my burden is, all because I've been listening to a hymn, said Big Klaus. He went on to a deep wide river and threw the sack and the old cattle drover into the water. You'll never trick me again, Big Klaus said, for he thought that he had seen the last splash of Little Klaus. He started home, but when he came to the crossroad, he met Little Klaus and all the cattle. <laughs> Where did you come from, Big Klaus exclaimed. Did I just drown you? Yes, said Little Klaus. You threw me in the river half an hour ago. Then how did you come by such a fine herd of cattle? Big Klaus wanted to know. Oh, they're sea cattle, said Little Klaus. Oh my god. I'll tell you how I got them, because I'm obliged to you for drowning me. I'm a made man now. I can begin to tell you how rich I am. But when I was in the sack with the wind whistling in my ears, you dropped me off the bridge into the cold water. I was frightened enough. I went straight to the bottom, but it didn't hurt me because of the fine soft grass down there. Someone opened the sack, and a beautiful maiden took my hand. Her clothes were white as snow, and she had a green wreath in her floating hair. She said, So you have come, little Klaus. Here is a herd of cattle for you, but they are just the beginning of my presence. A mile further up the road, another herd awaits you. I can see where this is going. Then I saw that the river is a great highway for all the people who live in the sea. Down at the bottom of the river, they walked and drove the cattle straight in from the sea to the land where the rivers end. The flowers down there are fragrant. The grass is fresh and the fish flit as birds do up here. The people are fine and so are the cattle that come grazing along the roadside. I want to go there. I'm going to drown myself. Then too. why then why are you back so soon, Big Klaus asked? If it's so beautiful, I have uh, I have stayed there. Well, said Little Klaus, I began per I am I <laughs> Well, said Little Klaus, I'm being particularly clever. You remember I said that the sea maiden told me to go 1 mile up the road and I find another herd of cattle. By road, she meant the river, for the only way she travels, but I know that the river turns and twists, but it seems to roundabout way of getting there. By coming up land, I took a shortcut that saves me half a mile. So, I get my cattle uh, I get my cattle that much sooner. <laughs> you are a lucky man, said Big Klaus. Do you think I would get the some cattle too if I went down to the bottom of the river? Oh, I'm sure you would, said Little Klaus. Don't expect me to carry there in a sack because you're too heavy for me. But if you walk to the river and crawl into a sack, <laughs> I'll throw you in with the greatest pleasure. Oh, thank you, said Big Klaus. But remember, if I don't get a herd of sea cattle down there, I'll give you a thralling. I'll give you a thrashing, believe me. 
Would you really, said Little Klaus? As they came to the river, the thirsty cattle saw the water and rushed to drink it. Little Klaus said, See what a hurry they are to get back into the bottom of the river? Help me get in there first, Big Klaus commanded, or I'll give you the beating right now. He, sh he struggled into a big sack, which, he ha which had been laying across his back of one of the cattle. Put a stone in it, or I'm afraid it shan't sink, said Big Klaus. Uh -huh. No fear of that, said Little Klaus. But he put a big stone in the sack, tied it, tied it tightly, and pushed him into the river. Splash! Up flew the water and down to the bottom, saying, Big Klaus. I'm afraid he won't find what I found, said Little Klaus, as he herded all the cattle home. He landed next to the drowned body of that old man who just wanted to die. Like, David! Yeah. The end. What a weird story. It's so good! It's so good! The heightening and exploring is amazing! I liked it a lot. It's so good! And the fact that, the fact that Big Klaus never thinks about these things, he just takes it on like, he just hears it and goes and does that thing. Yeah, this, yeah he's a guy that will just just, yeah, whatever he hears. As soon as he sets his mind to a thing, there's nothing stopping him from doing it. Big Klaus is like the guy who hears the number and it's like, uh, totally free seminar to make millions of dollars. He's like, what? And he like signs up right <laughs> like immediately. Big Klaus would be involved in a pyramid scheme. If this was a modern day tale, oh, it would be sure. like, oh, I'm part of this thing. All you have to do is get five friends to sign up and you'll be a millionaire. For sure. David, let's go to lessons. Here we go. Lessons. David, what did you learn from today's story time? I guess just bullshit. <laughs> Just bullshit. Like <laughs> the hero of this story is a huge liar. But is like he a liar or is he a con man? Like right, but he's but he's clever and he's also only conning. Well, no, he conned that farmer out of shit. But but he conned the farmer's wife who was already immoral. Like is he more immoral than the people that? But the farmer was nice. The farmer was like, "Come in, I'll house you." But he did my food. But he had a bad temper, and he also hated sextons for yeah, no reason. Yeah, he hated sextons. That was sort of. And his wife was doing shit with the sexton. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm just saying. Like that okay. one wasn't like the farmer didn't wrong the guy. Now I did say earlier that I felt like that was probably an abusive home. So if the farmer was an abusive <laughs> yeah, husband, right. then fuck it, take all of his bushels of money. But Big Klaus <laughs> is not a good man. Like, no, no, he, except that he kills a lot of horses. He kills a lot of horses. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, listen, make lemons. If you have lemons, make, make lemonade. If you have lemons, make more lemons. Um, <laughs> any more lessons that stick out in your mind? Um, I, I guess if. <laughs> Here's it's it's sort of a, a roundabout lesson. If you are kidnapped, okay, and you're going to be killed, yeah, don't give up hope because you might just run into a suicidal old man. Yeah, you might find somebody who's <laughs> like, I really wish I was a prisoner They're right now. They're just looking for a one single body to kill. I'll step in for right. you. Like, all right. Um, I also feel like I feel like this story. Another lesson in the story is do your market research. Like know what's going, what know oh. what's happening before you just like start like killing shouting your, off that killing stuff's going to be and trying to right, sell their skin right, or selling your fucking dead grandmother yeah. to the apothecary. I don't know why he thought that was okay? He thought it was well, a good he idea. A little little Klaus did it, but what, uh, what a dumb dumb. Right. Uh, as I was reading this the second time, and in my head as I pictured this as a cartoon, yeah, this would be a cat. <laughs> shut the fuck up, cat. It's, it's your dog that is. It's not. Take the cat. <laughs> David's cat ruined it. As I thought about this in my head as like a cartoon, it does. Pi I do picture like Popeye and whoever Popeye's villain is. Brutus. Brutus. 
Brutus Bruto? Feel, Bruto. I, I don't know which one it is. But it's Bruto. Big Klaus seems like Bruto. And like Popeye being like, oh, rah, 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 I can't do Popeye. I can't do a Popeye. Ah, yeah, if Popeye was like, ah, you gotta just kill your grand, you know, I saw it for a bushel of money. And then he's like, oh my god. Well, but Bruto always just kind of showed up and was like, hey, you've got a girlfriend. She's mine now. But if, but if he was like, hey, Popeye, you better stop talking about how no, all those horses are yours. They're not your horses. Yeah, yeah. I pictured this as a Popeye cartoon. It could have been. Yeah. Okay, great. So there you go. That's ridiculous. It's that was, a ridiculous that story. That was, like a, that was like a legit, like, uh... I am excited <laughs> for Hans Christian Andersen. Andersen, that's, that's me. That's the one that you sing all the time. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Listen, I'm super excited because there's a ton of stories, like, I don't know about, like, Luck May Lie in a Pen or the court <laughs> cards or... Uh, or, or the days of the week. Like, I just want to know all these stories. The days of the week. Damn it, there it's are literally so... just a page that goes, Monday, Tuesday. I think <laughs> it's going to be a story about, like, Mondays and Love a Tuesday, and, like, but that's the pre-predictions for Well, maybe episode. it's a story about how Solomon Grundy was born on a Monday. And then... <laughs> So dumb. So dumb. Right. I know what it is. I've played Injustice. All right. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, And thank you for joining us. Yeah. It's so dumb. Why did you say it? I don't know, man. You're part of the us. There's not like a secret group out there. I thought it was a fun. Before we go, listen, we're so thankful for you uh, being an active listener of our podcast. If you would so please help us out, please rate and review our podcast. Also, if you're a person that like has friends that like podcasts, please tell them about this wonderful podcast called Storytime. And if you're a person who has friends that don't like podcasts, but you're that friend in the group who always talks about the new podcast just get their phone unlock it and subscribe them they'll never need to know they'll never see it they never go in there anyway i mean i don't necessarily approve of the methods but go ahead and do it if you work at an old people's home go to all their phones subscribe them to story time (laughs) they probably like to listen to it they love stories you might have to skip all the bible ones but that's fine that's fine they'll like all the other ones it will remind them of their childhood back in 1836 (laughs) yeah anyway uh thank you so much for joining us this has been another Another episode of Storytime. He's David Miller. And that one's Michael Santel. That one. Ugh. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Oh, oh, and oh, girls. Oh. We'll see you boys and girls We're next non-gendered. time. Non-gendered. We'll just see all of you. We'll see you zims later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That's our show. Thanks for coming round. Don't be sad. No need to frown. We'll have more stories. Don't throw a fit. Goodbye, one and all. And we'll see you in a bit. Uh, as the day that he was born, and then he goes, inchworm, inchworm. I just want like ten. I want like between five and ten seconds of all the songs. Okay, and um, Hans Christian Andersen is pretty good.